Good morning. Praise the Lord. It's Saturday morning, and obviously uh, the church is empty, except for myself and my wife. We bid you God's blessings this morning as we preach, as we normally would on Sunday morning. So we pray, Father, during this time of crisis, during this time of upheaval and uncertainty, we pray, Father God, that you would touch America and the world, that, Father, your hand would show forth from the sky and touch the people and help us, O oh God, in halting this great virus that's infected many. We pray this morning, God, for the words that you have given us to give to the church and to those across social media. <clears throat> we thank you for the opportunity, and we pray your blessings. We give you the glory and the honor in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the subject, keep your balance. Don't be a victim of spiritual vertigo. I looked up the word balance, and it means equilibrium. It means poise, stability, steadiness. I looked up the word vertigo. It means dizziness, unsteadiness, lightheartedness, and faintness. There's a vast difference between both words. In the moment that we're living, balance is important. In the moment that we're living, equilibrium, spiritually, stability, poise is very important. We cannot panic in this moment. My scripture for this morning is James chapter 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I asked the Lord, why this verse? What a great time to put ourselves in subjection to God and to his will. To obey him and to submit to his control. For we have no control over what's going on in the world. The planets did not collide last night. He's still in total control of this world. The word submit means to yield to someone's admonition or advice. There's no other person that I want to submit myself to this morning but God who has the admonition, who has the advice for us that we need. The word submit is a, a Greek military term, meaning to arrange troops in divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. Our commander-in-chief is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It means a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, and assuming our responsibility and carrying the burden that the Lord has given us. We have a burden this morning, and that burden is for the souls of men and women and boys and girls. Many are dying by the hour, and this opportunity that God gives us to preach the word of God, we hope will bring comfort to hearts, but more than that, salvation to souls. When we receive and remain under God's plan and under his hand 
and we submit to his control, he will keep us steady and we will not faint. I'm reminded of the words of Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 40 and 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to faint in this hour, but we can stand tall. We don't have to grow weary in our well-doing, but we need to continue our prayers and our fastings before God. We need to storm the gates of heaven. We need to hold on to what the old church used to say, the horns of the altar. Praise God. The Bible said, submit yourselves therefore to God. It means to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It means His counsel. It means His interest for our life. Praise the Lord. And what does the Bible say? James says to us, resist the devil. What does that mean to us this morning to resist? It means to set yourself against the enemy. It means to withstand and to oppose. It means to cause or make to stand, to place yourself in a set position. I think of football often, and I think of the offensive line and the defensive line. And when the offensive line lines up, they take a stand against the enemy, that defense. They dig in their feet. They put their head down there. Their hands are down in that three-point stance. And they're saying, you will not get our quarterback. You will not get our family. You will not get our leader. And this morning, as men and women of God, we need to be offensive. And we need to take that stand and say, you will not get my son. You will not get my daughter. You will not get my home. Because in the name of Jesus, I have submitted myself unto God Almighty. Praise the Lord. The Bible says that this word resist means to set or place in a balance. In all of sports, if you look at baseball, the pitcher throws the ball to get the batter off of balance. In basketball, the, the basketball player makes head moves to, and fakes to get the opposing player off of balance. The same thing in football. The quarterback calls an automatic play on the line of scrimmage to get the defense off of balance. The enemy wants to get you off of balance this morning. He doesn't want you to stop and be immovable. He doesn't want you to stand firm like the foundation of a building. He doesn't want you to continue safe and sound. He wants you to... He doesn't want you to stand unharmed, praise God. He doesn't want you be, to be of steadfast mind, one who does not hesitate and one who does not waver. Who's our fight against? The Bible says resist the devil. Who is the devil this morning? He's not someone with a pitchfork and horns coming out of his head. But he's the prince of the demons of this world. He's the author of evil. He's the author of persecuting people. He's the author of sickness and estranging mankind from God. Hallelujah. The demons come to bring evil and havoc to society. And that's exactly what's happening this morning throughout the world. The enemy bringing havoc to the world. 
And the Bible says, resist the devil. What is it? What is the devil? He's a slanderer. He's a false accuser. He's, he's one that takes the opposing cause of God. He tries to defame. He tries to throw us over and across the, 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 the ship, so to speak, and tries to drown us. The, 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 the Bible says the word slanderer means to throw or let go of a thing without caring where it falls. He doesn't care how many people die this morning. He doesn't care how many people die of coronavirus. He doesn't care if it encompasses your family, but God cares because the Bible says he cares for you and that we're supposed to cast all our cares upon him because he scares, he's, he cares for us. The, the word slanderer means to scatter. It means to pour out into the rivers like we don't exist anymore. And that's exactly what the enemy is trying to do. Yes, our churches are closed. Yes, they need to be closed. We need to disassociate right now. But don't allow the enemy to close Praise God, the prayer in your home, the Bible study in your home, the, the, the assembling of yourselves together in your home. Don't allow the enemy to do that. He wants to discourage you. He wants to scatter you. He wants to pour you parts into the river like you don't exist. But in the name of Jesus Christ, we can submit to God and we can stand before our God. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. Praise the God. I, I want to talk to you for a few moments about this part of the verse where it says, and he will flee from you. What does that mean? It means to flee away. The enemy, when you submit to God and you come under his command as commander in chief, the enemy seeks flight from you. Listen carefully. He wants to really shun you or avoid you. He doesn't want to have a con a, 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 a opposing view with you. He, he doesn't want to have a moment of discussion with you. He doesn't want to come against you. And, and the word will flee means to escape, to vanish. The, it means uh, he wants to, uh, to come against us, but then when we start to fight back, we become repulsive to him, the Bible says. We become detestable. That's what the word means, will flee. We become disgusting in his sight because he says these people have power. He knows about the blood of Jesus Christ. He knows Christ rose from the tomb on the third day. He knows that we have power with God and he knows that Jesus Christ has put all things under his feet and has given the church the authority, praise God, to take dominion over powers and principles principalities and rulers and spiritual wickedness in high places. We are something bad, praise God, looking to the enemy when we resist him. Let me say that again. We are something bad looking, to, praise God, to the enemy as we resist him. He doesn't want to deal with us. He doesn't want confrontation. The enemy sees himself in a dangerous position when you resist him. Because we're fighters. Amen. We're Christians. Jesus calls us overcomers. Praise God. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. What does that mean? He will separate from you. Amen. He doesn't want to deal with you. When you start to name the name of Jesus, when you start to pray in the spirit, when you begin to pronounce the blood of Jesus, praise God. When you begin to announce that the, door, the blood of Jesus is on the doorpost of my heart, praise God, hallelujah. He doesn't want to have a confrontation with you. He wants to run into a corner and hide. You see, we have power against the enemy and we need to assume that power this morning because we are under a leader and that leader is Jesus Christ, praise God. He's the greatest. He overcame death. He came out of the tomb 
too, praise God. And he's alive forevermore this morning. Can you say amen wherever you are this morning? The Bible says in verse number 8 in James 4, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I ask the Lord, why include this verse? Of course, James was talking to the church, and he, and he says to the church that not only draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you, but cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Let me take a few moments to explain what I believe the Lord is saying here. To draw nigh means to draw or come near to the Lord, to approach Him, to take your place and your position yourself under God's authority. It simply means to join with Him. It's very simple. But then I said to the Lord, why do you put this word, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts? The word cleanse means, of course, to clean. It means to be purified by fire. It's like a vine cleansed by pruning and so fitted to bear fruit. It's, the, it's a, God saying no uncleanness. He's saying free yourselves from corrupt desires. Free yourself from sin. Free yourself from every admixture of what is false, since, but go to what is sincere and genuine. Here's what God's saying, and I believe this is going to happen if we're not careful. People are going to panic. People are going to get depressed. And people are going to get discouraged. And as a result, they're going to become double-minded, even as Christians. The word double-minded means wavering. It means to become uncertain. It means to doubt. It means to have a divided interest. It means to be two-souled, to have two souls. And it means one who plays the field. Here's my fear, and here's my concern, that when things get tough, and they might get tough in the next few weeks, that people will revert back to their addictions. They'll revert back to the alcohol, to the cigarettes, to the pot, to the drugs. They'll escape into the different realms of addiction. I believe God is giving us a warning here to stay the course, to not panic, stay under his submission, stay under his leadership. We don't have to fail. We don't have to fall. We don't have to go back into sin. Praise God. This is a great time for God to purify us by the fire of the Holy Spirit. This is a great time for God to descend upon our homes and our families. This is a great time for God to descend upon our marriages. Praise God in the church and in the secular world. This is a time to get right with God. This is a time, praise God, to cleanse our hands and come before God and say, God, I have only one interest. And that interest is to serve you and to love you for all the days of my life. With my mind, my body, my soul, and my spirit. In the name of Jesus, God, give me that grace. And God, give me that anointing to accomplish that. Amen. An example of a man that was double-minded was the prophet Elijah. One of the greatest men that ever lived. Boy, I tell you, he did miracles for the Lord. He spoke truth. But one day... He got a memo from Jezebel. And Jezebel said, you know, because you killed all those prophets of Baal, I'm going to get you, Elijah, and I'm going to kill you. You're going to wish that you were never born. And what happened to the great man of God? He took off. You see, he became double-minded for a moment. 
his soul was divided and he became contrary. And out of fear, he started to run. He, he started from the northern kingdom. He went from Jezreel, which was Mount Gilboa, and he, and he traveled 50 miles to Beersheba. And Beersheba was the southernmost city of Judah. It was kind of like the end of civilization. Praise God. And Elijah left his servant there, and he went alone. And I looked up the word Beersheba, and you know what it means? It means a pit or a slime pit. And what Elijah did was he put himself in a pit of discouragement because he was on the run. And I understand his fear. I understand that this lady was out to get him. He just killed 450 prophets of Baal, called fire down from heaven. And now, in his moment of weakness, he started to run. And then he continued his journey. Another 18 to 30 miles, he went into the wilderness, the Bible says. Here, in absolute discouragement, not realizing that God was working out his future. And God is working out your future, my friend. He sat under the juniper tree and he asked God to kill him. He said, God, just let me die. Oh, God wasn't ready to let him die. God wasn't ready for him to exit this world because he had work to do. He had to anoint another king. He had to anoint another prophet who would be Elisha. Praise God. He had to mentor that young man. But here he sits under a juniper tree. And the angel of God comes to comfort him and to, to give him nourishment and so on. And he continues his journey into a cave. And in that cave, he utters words of emotional distress. And that's what's going to happen to us at a moment of time. We're going to become emotionally distressed. But it doesn't mean we have to run, my friend. It doesn't mean we have to go into a cave. It doesn't mean that we have to go hide somewhere under a rock because God is our rock. Praise God. God is our shield. God is our buckler. And you know, he eventually returned, praise God, to the north country. He did return. But you know how many miles it took in this trip? It was a total of 300 miles, 300 miles before he returned to the northern kingdom. My friend, we don't have to travel 300 miles, praise God. We don't have to get out there and run and weary ourselves because God is our strength this morning. Praise the Lord. Stay the course. Let me continue this journey with you this morning. I want you to know Jesus reigns this morning. He's an awesome God. He created all this, praise God, and spoke it into existence. Look what he says to the church at Ephesus through the Apostle Paul. In Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, he says this, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? And we believe, according to the working of his mighty power. In verse 20, in Ephesians 1, it says, Which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Verse 21, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things, listen, and has put all things under his feet 
and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. This is our commander-in-chief. This is our Lord and Savior. This is God Almighty. Praise the Lord. This is Jesus who reigns. Let me continue. When God made Adam, he was not subject to Satan because he had not experienced sin or the fall in the Garden of Eden. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Genesis 1 and 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion, dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Adam controlled and ruled the earth at that time. There was no sin. There was no sickness. There was no death. There was no war. The world was ruled in the Garden of Eden in love and honesty. But things changed in the Garden through wrong decision-making. Ladies and gentlemen, we must make decisions based on God's wisdom and knowledge, especially at this time. Amen. It's no time to err. It's no time to walk away from God's counsel. There's safety in a multitude of counselors. There's safety in God's word. Here's what happened. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, it says this, And when, when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife themselves hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. What happened? Man felt sinful and guilty and condemned because he disobeyed the command of God to not eat of that tree. Adam and Eve had enjoyed the fellowship of God. Listen to the word. There was a balance in the Garden of Eden before sin. Amen. Then something terrible happened. Satan deceived Adam and Eve and threw them off of balance destroying their authority in God and their fellowship with their creator. Let me say that again. Something terrible happened when sin took place. Satan deceived Adam and Eve and threw them off balance, destroying their authority in God and their fellowship with the creator. Don't let that happen. Don't allow the enemy to creep into the garden of your soul, my friend, to cause a disturbance, to cause a destruction of the authority that you have in God and the fellowship that you have in the Lord. Amen. Adam and Eve traded the beauty and splendor of what God had given them for the knowledge of good and evil. Now Satan gained control of the world system. And as a result, he uses sin, sickness, war, disease, and all the rest to afflict this world, to keep everything and everyone off balance. Very key word. God originally had given Adam the legal right to this world when he put him in the garden. But when Adam sinned, he gave that legal right to Satan. However, and here's the good news, my friend. God intervened 
And I believe this is a time of intervention. I believe this is a time of intervention. God intervened by sending his son Jesus into the world. And when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he brought back with him, he brought back with his own blood, the dominion and the authority which we had given away to Satan in the Garden of Eden through Adam and Eve. Listen carefully, my friend. God wanted to restore fellowship with people by walking in the garden of their soul. Satan's power was broken because of one fact, 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Oh, come on, my friend. Did you hear what I just said? For this purpose. This is why Jesus came. This is the purpose why he came. To restore fellowship. To restore authority. To restore fellowship to me and you. Praise God. Because it says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Undo the works of the devil. He doesn't have power over us. We have power over him in the name of Jesus and through the shed blood of Christ. What are you saying, preacher? When the enemy comes our way, we have a choice to accept what he wants to deliver to us or submit to God and resist the devil. I'm sure that you would not want someone to take your wallet out of your back pocket. I'm sure that you wouldn't say to them, it's okay. I already opened the button to my pocket. You could take my wallet. No, you would fight. I'm quite sure that if someone tried to break into your home, you would fight back. But the greatest thing that we have to guard is our heart, is our soul. And I'm afraid people aren't resisting when they get tired and discouraged. That's why we need to stay together in a circle with Christ. Even though we're separate, even though we're in different homes, and some even in different parts of the world, thank God social media can be used for a positive effect. Thank God we could reach out and touch someone in Russia, touch someone in Africa, touch someone anywhere in the world, praise God. Touch the neighbor next door through social media, praise the Lord. Praise God. We can set into motion the will of God when we take authority, our authority, over the situation and stand in our legal rights as children of the king. We have rights. The Bible tells me I have rights. I know preachers say, oh, this is, this is not right preaching. Listen, I have power with God. I have power with man. I will prevail with God. And I will prevail with man. Don't you realize in the Old Testament, God changed the name of Jacob. He asked Jacob after he wrestled with him all night. He said, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, Jacob, you haven't gotten the memo. I've changed your name to Israel. Because you have power with God. You have power with man. You'll prevail with God and you'll prevail with man. And thank God through the born again experience and through the blood of Jesus Christ, he has changed my name. Amen. I have power. And so do you to pray. The enemy's desire, my friend, is to throw us off balance and to defeat us so that we flee from him. But my friend, no. We're going to throw him off of balance. We're going to come against him in the name of Jesus Christ. Because why? Because Philippians 2.13 says this, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God 
is not saying to us to run. He's not saying to us to go hide in the cave somewhere. He's not saying to us to get so totally discouraged and disappointed and depressed that we fold up like a tent. You know, here's what God is saying. He's saying, I have a purpose for your life. I have a cause for you to stand up. And what greater cause do we have than right now, my friend, to come against an enemy? The author is not God. God doesn't author coronavirus. The author is Satan. The author is demonic. The author has sent this into the world as evil to inflict people, to afflict them. But I take heart and I take comfort in the words, for it is God, I'm under his control and command, who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What is the good pleasure of God? To see the backside of the devil running from me and you. To see the devil's backside running away from the church. We all, I hear people say the devil this and the devil that. Listen, it's time to be offensive. It's time to be the quarterback and the leaders of your home. It's time for men of God to rise up and take off the religious robes in the name of Jesus Christ and come down to earth and lead the people in the name of Jesus with power, with anointing, and with prayer, praise God, in a personal way. Hallelujah. Sheep need us. As leaders, sheep get scared, sheep run the fence, sheep leave, sheep flee. But the good leader, praise God, will calm that sheep through the Lord Jesus Christ. And as under shepherds, it's our job, it's our job in the name of Jesus Christ to rise up in this hour of crisis and say, no, in the name of Jesus, we will stay the course, we will not panic, and we will move forward with God, and we will see the backside of the devil in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Can you say amen? amen. I want to close. The three scriptures that I find very comforting. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 9. And it shall be said in that day, this is today, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Amen. Hmm. Psalm 27, 14 says this. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. In Psalm 92, verse 13, those that he planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, God is speaking to us this morning. He's on our side. He will not leave us, he said, nor will he forsake us. He says for us this morning to stand with good courage, not to be afraid. And I know sometimes we do get afraid. And I believe that's why God put so many verses in the Bible concerning fear. To calm our spirit, to calm our humanity, to calm our humanness. I take comfort in this morning that God can help us keep our balance and that we don't have to become victims of spiritual vertigo, acting dizzy, unsteady, or lightheaded, or even fainting in the hour. This is our time. This is our quest. And this is our role to pray for one another, to love one another, 
and to stand in the gap in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me this morning as your under-shepherd, as your pastor, as your preacher. And I thank you, Father, for this precious anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.